a good burp on air. I love a good burp on air. Yeah, we all love it. It's funny. Yeah, it, it is. So let's get on to the right music, and I'll hit the button, and away That's we go. It. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff, another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast. It is, of course, uh, what is today? May 12th. Uh, it is, um, uh, Tony, of course it's May 12th also where he is, I believe. Uh, I am of course May 12th here in, I'm recording from beautiful, uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. Boy, just lovely looking out the window here. Um, in my, in my very small sort of, not a capsule room, but it's very small in here, Tony. Uh, the shower is sort of tube-like. It looks like you're getting into sort of a Star Trek type tube. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Nice. So like, did you think I've got to represent America? Did you bring over your MAGA cap, your Confederate flag, just to sort of mm-hmm. show the people of Scandinavia? Are they Scandinavian? I, I'm, I'm confused I, about what Scandinavia is. Scandinavia, that's right. And no, what you've isn't. got it. Because um, there are certain countries that, that think are Scandinavian that turn out not to be Scandinavian. No, they are Scandinavia. You got them right. Yeah, okay. You pinpointed them. I think I think it's only Finland. I think that's still Scandinavia, but I think they may lean more Baltic. I think they may be a yeah. little more of a Baltic nation than, I say, uh, you're – yeah. I didn't realize sort of they're, they're not close ties to Russia, but they're intertwined history with Russia and, and how sort of much more Baltic they were than, than say, Denmark or Sweden. I know – their landmass is a lot closer to Russia, but there's a lot of shared similarities, even with the language, in some regards. That's right, and um, they—I uh, believe—they beat Russia in a war, or at least scared them off, because uh, it's, yep. it's very cold. Uh, <laughs> it's cold in Russia too, but it's very, very cold up there in that part of Finland. There, well, um, sort of the problem that yeah. you have is—is is the major population centers in Russia that are close to Finland aren't that cold. The cold places in Russia are a long way from Finland, if that makes sense, to, to get to sort of the coldest place on Earth, which is in Russia. Um, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a long travel and it's not a, a simple proposition to get your army recruits from the cold places to other cold places, as Russia have found out recently. Of course, my wife has been to Russia um, where that was maybe 20... 20 something years ago, 25 years ago. But, uh, she has, uh, like, a, I, I guess they, you just aren't doing synthetic fur hats there. They're just no. not, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. That's the, the fact is it's not going to cut. <laughs> There's no synthetic fiber that's going to do what, what it needs to do. So she has some kind of natural, natural hair, um, hat, uh, that is insanely warm. Uh, it is crazy how warm that hat is, but, um, yeah, they had to like deep. They had to prep for that shit, and they will just. Uh, I guess they just keep stuff cold in the window sills. They stay with a host family there, and they'll use the window sills just as like extra refrigeration space and stuff, or put their vodka bottles up there, and they'll stay cold. Pretty good stuff. I just uh, want to 
change gears because, of course, we had the sure. Miami Grand Prix last weekend, um, sure. which was yeah. like talk about different weather than where you are. Well, not where you are. You're you're in a lovely part of the world. I'm in famous uh, Denmark here, where it's fifty about fifty six yeah. degrees, I would say, and the sun's still up, even though it's nine thirty p.m. But compared to Siberia, Rafa. Russia, Miami is a beautiful, sunshiny oh, place. Yeah. But how surprised were you? Like, I'm a Formula One fan. I know there have been beer brands involved in Formula One cars before. Heineken. Heineken, in fact. I Heineken. Believe, yeah. Well, and before Heineken, of course, Foster's was a big supporter of the Australian Grand Prix and Grand Prix around the, the world. They were the... Um, it was sure. the Foster's Australian Grand Prix, and then they were the official beer supplier for, for 10 years or so. But to see an American smaller brewery on a car was kind of a shock. I know it was a home Grand Prix in Miami, but the, the Lagunitas branding on the on the Alpha Terry, quite surprising in my view. Well, you know, um, Lagunitas and Heineken actually do have a relationship, so the, the, that really essentially makes this make a lot of sense. Uh this this story makes a lot of sense now. Um, yeah. So yeah, they um, they slapped on. Um, you know, it, you, you got to wonder was it was it um, was it insensitive to put the Hop Stupid logo on there not, and and put a couple weed leaves on the doors? I don't oh. know, whatever you know. And then then the back with the with the writing of like Tony Tony Magee's uh, fucking rambling or whatever that shit is, but. Um, Hey, whatever. I'm, I'm into it. It's it kind of fits though with the Alpha Tauri brand because they're not the big corporate brand that uh, their, their sister team Red Bull is, but they sort of have a fun time. And um, not sure whether Yuki Sonoda drinks, but kind of the perfect rambling spokesperson uh, for Lagunitas because he he swears a lot as this like five foot two little Japanese man that that has a great time. And Pierre Gasly. Um, Come on, you can't tell me in the off season he doesn't partake. Oh yeah, I mean, hey, you know, some of these guys were all over the place in Miami. It looked like they'd been out too, too late the night before drinking four or five of these hop stupids <laughs> out of a mason jar. <laughs> Something that maybe one of us on this call has done before. I'm not sure. Well, I hope um, I hope you're talking about pit crew rather than drivers because I hope they were breath tested. Although with with the way the cars went this weekend, who who knows? Funny thing about Russia and Miami, the similarities are you will probably run into about the same amount of people with a super strong Eastern European or Russian accent. <laughs> there is an insane amount of, and you're, and you're walking around around Miami, not to not to sound like a total fucking asshole, but everybody looks like some kind of like Czechoslovakian club promoter. You're like, hey, what's up, bro? You know, got like four buttons unbuttoned on his shirt, walking around Wynwood or whatever. I'm like. All right. Now, is, cool. there, is there a lot of bling going on with, with these Eastern European yeah, the gold types? Chains, yep. Gold chains are heavy, yeah. And maybe I'm, I, I, I don't know how much of it's like, I don't know how many Russians live in Miami. I mean, I guess if I lived in Russia, I would be looking at moving my ass to Miami too. But um, I, I would say uh, it's, it's a lot of the more tan Eastern Europe. So your yep. your Dubrovniks maybe are fitting <laughs> in there. Your split. Your split. Uh, type folks from that area, maybe. Yep, gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of that. One thing well, I I'm excited to... for Lagunitas. I, I'll give them that. I mean, this is big. This is a big step for them. It is. Um, the one yeah, thing... they're going to love this. 
the one thing I wanted to say about sort of that Eastern European type that you used to see on Formula One races, um, Hungaro Ring was a good example of this. They used to love to get oiled up on a sunny day. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe that is. I always wonder if it's just, it always feels like everybody in Miami has like a glisten to them and it's sort of like, it's humid as fuck. So you're always like, yeah, is it? Sweat? Is it goo? I don't know. <laughs> Probably a little bit of both, I would guess, actually. Um, Not there's also sort of way. people from that part of the world tend to have sort of, I don't, this is, uh, I'm, I'm married <laughs> to one of them. They have, they just have sort of somewhat more slick skin, we'll say. Um, <laughs> so, uh, makes them hard to catch, gotta say. Uh, but I got, I got her. Um, <laughs> You know, you put your you put your sack out, and you hope you hope it works. Uh, <laughs> well, is that why I'm single? I haven't put my sack out enough. Yeah, sat in some gum. Tony sat in some gum. Uh, all right, Tony. Well, since I'm here in Denmark, and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of you know, tomorrow. I guess tomorrow is the first day of the Mickler beer celebration. I really got to get I got to get in gear here, and I really haven't had much time to. It's a concept, a brilliant uh, amount of uh, genius content, and and you know I I can't even talk about beers of the week yet. I mean I'm not even halfway through the goddamn thing, so a little bit tough for me to think about. So fair enough. I sort of pre-planned a little bit for us to do some. You know me, the ultimate planner, uh, and uh, Tony for sure. Oh yeah, I, I, I literally uh, just minutes in advance of a show, I will I will <laughs> think of something that we will do for the episode. Um, but today, Tony, I have gone into the well. Uh, some of you might remember some of our dedicated listeners who've been with us the last two years might remember uh, a couple of years ago. Tony was away doing uh, uh, whatever he was doing, and um, I recorded a solo show where I read through the top 10 beers of uh, on great beer from like 2012 or something. And it sounded like a total, it sounded like the fucking Unabomber, totally unhinged. <laughs> um, so I thought maybe we could try it with both of us and see which one of us is the Unabomber. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of an untrapped game, just a little bit of a listicle game. This, this harkens back to the old days of TAI, only there's no hot babes in this one. This is all just beers. But it's an un- untrapped uh, Tony, so you're in the well for a full hour today. Keep that thing in your pants. Uh, we're going to do the 20 best new beers 2014, Tony. Hit that sound. Yeah. 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 And we're sending out Perfect. All right, Tony. Here we go. This is from Paste Magazine. Now we've talked about Paste Magazine before. These guys are. I don't think we have talked about Paste Magazine. We are both familiar with Paste Magazine, but I don't think we've spoken about them on air unless they've come up in our hyperbeer nerd dork shit news. Yeah, I think maybe they've done some hyperbeer nerd dork shit news before. Uh, this is just from the Pace staff, so there's really nobody to quote. This is from December 9, 2014. Boy, you left three weeks there, huh? Paste? All right, whatever. But, uh, well, let's read this just because it's funny. I should have started the episode with this, Tony. Here's an understatement for you. 
2014 was a great year for beer. Seriously, it's hard to put into words just how awesome American craft beer was this year. IPAs, oh, now this is a throwback, Tony. IPAs got sessionable, then they got fresh hopped. Breweries collaborated like hip hop moguls. Older breweries reinvented themselves with ambitious experiments while young breweries helped push the envelope of style and taste. There were hundreds, probably thousands of new beers. I would guess tens or, or hundreds of thousands. Uh, hitting the shelves and taps all years, challenging our palates and expectations day after day. It's an exciting time to be alive. I, I, I miss being this optimistic about beer. Or do I? I sort of, I sort of like being indifferent and sort of uh, disaffected. But uh, True. Oh, here you go. <laughs> True, there are a number of social injustices, and the healthcare system in this country is ridiculous. But the beer is so good; <laughs> it says that. It says that. I don't know about you, but our cup is half. This is pre-Trump. This is when it was okay to say that. I guess uh, everything was good or something. Um, uh, our cup is half full, full of really great beer. Literally, we sorted through as many new releases as humanly possible and came up with what we think is a pretty damn good list of beers that hit the market this year. So here you go, Tony. First one, number 20. This is, um, I, I would love to drink this beer, Tony. I think I'm going to want to drink all these beers. These are going to be a throwback. Tony, this is Sierra Nevada. You know them. You love them. This is yes. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and their Coffee Stout. Now, this is a throwback of a beer just Ooh. in the style. Coffee Stout, yeah. 6. 6.9%, 53 IBUs. Here's what Paste Mag here's what Graham Averill of Paste Magazine has to say. This one snuck up on me. Don't get me wrong, I like a good coffee stout. I just didn't expect much from the style. Uh, Sierra Nevada's <laughs> new coffee stout came in a mix a mix pack that honestly I purchased so I could try the brewery's new boomerang IPA. Don't remember that. But I found myself searching the empty box for more of this simple stout. It's a masterful example of the style, slightly sweet, milky roasted malty. It's not an imperial. It's not barrel aged. It's not a farmhouse hail brewed with sage or pumpernickel or yeast found on the shoe of George Washington. Just damn good. So, Tony, this is the Sierra Nevada coffee stout. Cup of Joe and a bold beer can thwart the winter cold. Blended them together for the ultimate warmer. Fusion of dark roasted malt and rich cold brewed coffee for layers of bittersweet, fruity, dark chocolate and caramel like flavors. 65 uh, 0. 0.6 thousand check-ins on this one, Tony. Okay, so back in the day, it got um, wide distribution, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's as hot as your modern Imperial Stouts. I think they tended, even the sweeter stuff tended to be a little bit more divisive. So I'm going to, I have faith that Sierra Nevada can deliver a beer of this style above a four to the mm. crowd, but it's barely a, above a four. Give me a 4.02. Hey, Tony, you got to calibrate, my friend, because that is not going to do it. 3.70 on the Sierra Nevada coffee stout. Do I yeah. agree with it? Probably not, but... Um, let's see about... Let's see. I have a couple friends who drank this. Here's Bob, Bob O.B. <laughs> Admittedly, this was slightly thin, but not oversold. Drinks well at this price point. Just not thick or creamy. This guy just, I know this guy. He just likes his big. He wants his sugar, sugar boys. Um, yeah, that's from 2024. Four on the dot. See? Um, yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, you know, Corey gave this a four. There we you know go. him. 
I believe him. So I think it's probably a very tasty beer, of course. I just, um, you know, people don't rate stuff. So you're 0 for 1. Can't give you that one. Next up, this is from Monkish Brewing. Brewing. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, Monkish, big big hazy guys now these days. But uh, this one is called Sela, S-E-L-A-H. It is a 6.8% Saison, Tony, with Brett. <laughs> oh, so, Jesus. How am I meant to score this? Okay. Visionary brewer Henry Wynn, and it's spelled in that way. Like Steve that, Wynn? I, no, like the, um, like the Asian way with an N. Uh, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Oh. Yep, new I believe it's. I believe you say it. Win yeah. of some kind. Yeah. Uh, this uh, may refuse to brew an IPA. Uh, not anymore. But don't think he's scared of hops. This is before monkish brewed IPAs, bro. Fucking a. <laughs> uh, his Belgian style ales frequently feature judicious applications of new hop varieties, and the stars align when he brewed this light dry saison Sela Sela, a honey gold farmhouse ale dry hopped with. Aromatic mosaic hops and bottle conditioned with Brett. Yum. That sounds good. Um, when fresh, the earthy and tropical mosaic flavors dominated, but in the months since the beer's initials re- initial release, the Brett character has gracefully developed as the hops have faded into balance. So that sounds good. We don't um, see a lot of Brett beers these days. You don't. You don't. I used to love Saison Brett. That was a classic, the Boulevard one. This one, Tony, has 883 check-ins only. Um, so it's it's fallen off in the years since uh, it was made. So what do you got for me? 883 check-ins for Sella. The description I untapped, just Saison with Brett. I can't score this over a four because as subtle as Brett can be at times, I think – some people are going to complain about the barnyardy sort of nature that Brett can produce at certain stages sure. of its development. Um, so I've got to really knock this down. This There's no way this scores above Sierra Nevada. I've got to go with 3.67 uh, just based on the fact that it's a Brett beer. I think it would be delightful. I, th- I think I'd score it much higher, but... Yeah, I can't go any higher than that with my score. Not quite, Tony. Uh, you were you had the you had the right idea, but it's not it's doing better than that Sierra Nevada. You're at three point eight seven on the eight hundred eighty three check ins here uh, for this one. Now with, uh, for for monkish Sella. With that many check ins, does that mean it's a brewery only release? Because that's not a lot of check ins. I think. I think- I think almost everything still at Monkish is pretty much a brewery only release, I would say. Yeah. I think they're not they're not releasing a lot into distro. Yep. Still. And this is many eight years later. Jeez. All right. Moving on. You got plenty of time to make it up, Tony. You got your you got work to do. You can you can start dialing in the uh, the numbers here. This one's gonna be fun for you. This is number eighteen. All the way from Portland, Oregon. This is Cascade Brewing's Pumpkin Smash, a twelve and a half percent. Pumpkin Wild Ale. This beer, <laughs> this beer arrived a few days too late to participate in our 2014 pumpkin beer tasting and ranking, which was a good thing for every other entry. This sour quad would have been the consensus number one beer, I have no doubt. On paper, it sounds absolutely insane. A soured quadruple aged in rum barrels with spices and pumpkin. But oh my, what a flavor bomb this thing is in a good way. 
The way the brewers and blenders at Cascade manage to capture flavors at this level of intensity but still keep them all well-balanced with one another is almost miraculous. It will be an immediate front-runner for best pumpkin beer of 2014. Now, this is where there could be some disconnect between food writers and the beer-drinking public at large. So, yeah, that's a nice blurb, but I don't know. I'll get you to run through the untapped stuff in a sec. But, yeah, I think there could be a disconnect between sort of magazine staff and and the general well, public. I would say that's generally the case, yeah, unless um, unless they're writing for Hype Beast magazine. But uh, now this is uh, this has six in, 6.3 thousand check-ins, Tony. It's still being checked in, I think, to this day. Let's look at see when the most recent check-in, March 29th, 2022. Um. It, it, there's no description on here. It's got 6.3 thousand check-ins, 12.35%. Uh, I can see if I can find, let me see if I can get a description from the Cascade fellas themselves. Uh, pumpkin smash Cascade. What are you doing not maintaining your fucking untapped, by the way, gang? Um... I'm not going to be able to get one from them. <laughs> it's not, not, not nice of them. They just, they, uh, you, you search for this beer and you just end up on fucking bestdambeershop.com. Like, here's beer menus. See if beer menus has anything. Uh, aromas of spiced rum mingled with the soft notes of roasted pumpkin are notice up front. Spiced roasted pumpkin and rum is followed by a soft warming. This Northwest-style sour ale is no trick. It's all treat. We smashed and triple roasted 50 pounds of pumpkin down to six pounds and then age the beer for 11 months on the roasted pumpkin in rum barrels. It sounds good. It does. Sounds weird though. I really don't know how to score this. How many check-ins did you say? A little more than 6,000. Okay. So this is a little bit more popular than the last beer. And I'm going to say quad score relatively well. This is riding that line between three and four. It's right in that um, area. I really didn't know how to sort of think about it, but I think this is obviously well made um, just based on nothing other than what you've read to me. So I'm going to have to go above four again, just fractionally, 406 all right, now you're back in, Tony. You got that one for sure. 4.08. Yes. On the Sierra Nevada, or I'm sorry, Sierra Nevada, <laughs> the Cascade Pumpkin Smash. You know, one thing that benefits this is it came in, it came out right at the sour hype period. True. Um, some of its first years were right. Cascade, I mean, they make some nice stuff, but their their sours are like fucking enamel ripping sours sometimes. And this is right at the perfect time when people love that. <laughs> so, um, it, 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 I'm sure it was good. I, I remember going there in like 2014, 2015, around then. Um, all right, next up, this is uh, number 17 from Plover, Plover, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm familiar with this brewery lightly. This is from Oso Brewing, O apostrophe S-O. It's their Bourbon Barrel Imperial Night Train, a 10.5% Imperial Porter. The original Night Train Porter spawns variants like tap-out stores spawn over-aggro douchebags. That is a 2014 sentence, my man, right there. That sure is. Um, 
difference is you actually want to spend a little time with every member of the Night Train family. Osa released a bourbon barrel aged of the standard strength beer a while ago, and it was pretty great. This beast, though, was only recently unleashed at a special release party at the brewery, along with a blackberry variant and a poblano pepper variant. Oh, it's kind of making me gassy just thinking about that. <laughs> the jury is still out on the latter two, but the regular version is sublime. Toffee, chocolate, and charred oak are expected and present in shades. There's a wonderful roasted, sorry, wonderful roast toasted coconut presence that sends this beer over the top. Miraculously, the body remains light enough to be damningly drinkable from Josh Ruffin. Mm. Mm. I mean, it sounds good to me. I thought you were going to sing its praises, at least on the description alone. So, uh... so here you go. Bourbon Barrel Night Train from Oso oh Brewing. Oh, boy. Ten and a half percent. Yep. 1.1 thousand check-ins. Their description, our last release of the Bourbon Barrel Night Train sold out in 26 hours. The Oso oh Extreme Beer Series is our take on Blah, blah, blah. These all okay. This is just a description of the beer series, so yep, whatever. They it, it, uh, it went in bourbon barrels for a while. Yep, I've got a rough idea now. Ten and a half percent. I had one friend drink it, uh, he liked it. Okay, so that this guy. I, I don't know if I trust that guy, but <laughs> fair enough. He is a acquaintance of yours, so I'm going to say that this is an extremely popular beer. It doesn't reach into the 4.2 range, but it does come in in the 4.1. Comes in at the low 4.1, the 4.14, based on everything that you've told me there. Um, I think this is probably a beer that probably still has a place in the market. I'm not sure whether you'd agree, but it seems relatively... Uh, timeless as far as style goes. I couldn't tell you if it's on the market or not um, anymore with Oso, but uh, Tony, this one got the rug pulled out from under you. There's nothing you could have done about this one. This one's got a 3.52 on one. Yeah, this is not, people are not, we're not liking this beer, apparently. No. Um, Now, people are still checking it in, which you can't, okay, so here's Jeremy A., October 24, 2021.5 stars. Here's Josh A, 1.25. No idea what year this was wrecked. I mean, okay. <laughs> not your problem. Not their problem, anyways. Uh, not rateable. Infected AF. He didn't rate it, so I'll give him, give him credit for that. So this shit's infected now. Not sure what year. That, by God, this is bad. No carbonation. So... This one, this one threw you. So yeah, that one didn't work out for you. Sorry, Tony. One for four. Uh, next up, this beer I'm familiar with. Okay. Uh, this is half half acres Hayoka IPA, which has changed names a few times. What due to this name being uh, related to a Native uh, American uh, tribe? Um, so this beer is now called Gone Away. If you're wondering. Uh, okay. This is a 7% IPA from Half Acre. Paste was already drewing over Half Acre's, uh, I'm going to keep call it Gone Away so that I don't get in trouble. Half Acre's Gone Away back in February, long before it won a silver medal at the Great American Beer Fest. So that win simply confirmed, but we already knew this is one of the best new IPAs of the year. A real American classic. It's not, it's not one of the new breed reveling in really funky tropical fruity hops. 
Rather, it's a great classic West Coast IPA filled to the brim with orangey citrus, pine, and a touch of mango. It's sort of tropical. I mean, now, That's mango. very tropical, uh, but I get what they're saying. This is no smooge. Right. right. Uh, as we wrote, smooge was but a, a twinkle in the eye of someone at that point. Uh, as we wrote at the beginning of the year, it's the kind of beer you can smell from a couple feet away. So I'm going to have to use the gone away. Uh Monica. Untapped. Yep. Yep. So the gone away has got 63.9 thousand check-ins. Eight of them are mine. Uh, gone away is a Western charge firecracker. We conjured the classics and laid them on a bed of pale malt. The, this India pale ale shoots straight to the bitter edge when you're falling into a mellow, before falling into a mellow haze, deep gold and red, ready to travel the distance. Excellent beer. 7.1% 60 IBUs. Now, can I get your rating? Is that, that possible? Because I don't think that will really help, but I would like to know how no, you rate it. No, I won't help it. you. Four and a half, Tony. I okay. love this beer. I, th- I think this is something that's successful. So it, with the amount of check-ins, the style seems like it, it, if it's not currently in production, which in given that it is eight years later, it's it's likely that it's not in production anymore. It does, again, I could say it having a resurgence perhaps needs to be updated to sort of that, that more newer West Coast style, but it seems like it's it's right on the edge there. I'm going to say that this, they're all, they all to me, based off your descriptions and all your notes, seem to me to be around that four. I'm going to come in just a little lower, though, at uh, 3.98. 3.98. All right, Tony, you get that one. 3.92 for going away. Absolutely, I get that one. Well done. That's two for five. Maybe we can get you back on track here. Yep. Next up, this is from Three Weavers, Inglewood, California, 4.5% IPA. I've had some of these. I've had some I've had of their collabs, so not yeah, not their beers, but collabs that they've done with Hawkers and and other places. So yeah, uh, Three Weavers Brewing Brewery is one of the newest, most exciting breweries in LA's exploding craft beer scene. And explo- and better exploding brewer, veteran brewer Alexandra Noel has crafted an eminently drinkable pale ale with all the hoppy aroma of a full strength IPA. Noel coaxes an array of resinous citrus flavors from classic American hops and layers the pungent aromas over a sparkling light body. It's a beer tailor-made for Los Angeles. And it won't bore you or fatigue your palate even after two or three or four or five pints. So three weavers stateside on untapped. Uh, 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 What do we got here, buddy? Still kicking around. Oh, yeah. 4.2 thousand check-ins on this. It's 4.5%. It's inspired by British pub culture. And brewed with two-row barley and English crystal malts and Yakima Valley hops. Boy, that is an old-school-sounding beer. <laughs> um, brings the British sentiment to the West Coast in our deceptively full-bodied citrus-forward session IPA. Okay. It's a four and a half. Correct four me. and a half. Um, that, actually, I think it'll get a few points knocked off. When you, people are doing, like, when they're doing flights or brewery tours... Or, or tap takeovers, the lower gravity stuff tends to get knocked over. 
when it's yeah. consumed individually, I think it, it'll rate higher. So I have to take that into account. I'm going to say that this comes in under four. I think super unjustly, I think this comes in at a 3.84 and that's just purely based on a, a gravity thing. I think it deserves well above that, but based on gravity, yeah. I'm going to have to give it a 3.84. Should have kept going, Tony. It's 3.61. Not Unjust, quite. but I can Un, see yeah, why. Of course, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a lovely beer. But uh, I think the actually I would say less even than the 4.5%. Uh, it's the British pub element of this or something. I don't yeah, know. There's you're the, probably right. The crystal, the crystal and the Yakima Valley hops, it's just going to be pretty bitter, you know, which is fine. But um, Sounds good to me. I would drink it. Uh, all right, Tony, you've gone two for six. This one is a all, this is a classic beer to me. Now I love this beer. Uh, this is from Allagash. Uh, it is Allagash Saison, 6.1% Belgian style Saison. Uh, oh, look, a year round shelf turd Saison. Big whoop, right? Listen, this is Allagash's first new year round beer in 10 years. So we think a parade is in order. On top of that, it fills what had been a glaring gap in their flagship portfolio, a Belgian-style brewery without an easily gettable saison for shame. And this is a great one. Falling distinctly on the American side of the spectrum, the beer is dry and effervescent with a distinctly peppery hop profile. At just over 6%, it's also light enough for warmer months, yet sufficiently robust. Okay. On uh, Untapped, I've had two of them. It's a main interpretation of a classic Belgian farmhouse-style ale. Notes of citrus and peppery spice accompany pleasant malt character and a tropical aroma. The addition of dark Belgian candy sugar uh, complements the beer's rustic flavor while giving it a dry palate. Uh, 54.3 thousand check-ins. I've had two of them. Yep. Uh, I gave it a 4.25, Tony, but we all know I love Saison, so... Yeah. 6% Cesar. See, I don't think this has to score super high to be worthwhile as a year-round in the Allagash range. I think Allagash White scores a good 0.3 or 0.4 higher. Um, I think this is a good beer. I think I would perhaps rate it higher than you because, you know, my love for Saisons is as big as anybody in the marketplace, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be sort of traditional DuPont-style uh, saisons or the more modern interpretations. So I'm going to go down the scale again from where I, where I was, uh, falling somewhere where that last belt beer fell. I'm going to go 3.62. 3.62. You got it, Tony. 3.64. You're either getting very close or very far away. That's really pretty much all you can do. 3.64 on the uh, Allagash Saison. Um, and for reference, Allagash White, if you're wondering, uh, has a 3.76, uh, which is crazy to think about. Next up, Tony. Oh, my God. It's the Lagunitas Brewery. Uh, Formula One's newest sponsor is yep. on the list here. This one is their Born Yesterday. This is number 13 on the list. Uh, seven, A 7.5% seven pale ale, truly in the Lagunitas mold. 
the star of an in-office tasting of 2014's Fresh Hop Ales, born yesterday, is one of the more aptly named beers we tasted this year, with samples only bottled a day before they arrived in the paste office and shipped in an ice-packed box. There's pretty much no way they could have been fresher. Overflowing with tropical fruit flavors, Born Yesterday is like a... I'm not giving... Born Yesterday shows the possibilities of fresh green hops and why bottled on dates are so important. Okay. Uh, where do we... So, yeah, let's see where we're at on tap, Tom. Huh? Maybe that would help you. Uh, born yesterday. Now I got to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. This beer has has had some has had some changes over the years. Oh. Well, that's not true. It's not um, untrue though, by the sounds of it. I remember them releasing a version that had a distinct haze to it. But actually, as I look at these pictures from more recently, maybe I was thinking of another beer. Um, okay. It, it still has the same. Alcohol percentage and everything. Um, yeah, no, it's still it's still about the same. It looks the same. I think they did a separate one that was like a hazy version of this. Yeah. Um, I've had two of these. I loved it. Four and a half percent for me. Four and a half percent. Four and a half stars for me. It's seven point two percent according to Untapped. Sixty IBUs. Born yesterday is a newborn version of our reborn pale, new Dogtown pale with a fresh addition. Virgin hops from the trellised lands of the verdant Yakima Valley. Unkilned for an immaculate reception, then then deliver the resulting little brew in 24 hours. Congrats. It's a beer. 77.9 thousand check-ins. I think that's the most we've had today. Yep. I think so. That's how you get that F1 money, baby. <laughs> yeah. I think this comes in, again, right under four. I, d- I don't think these are beers that... Jump all aboard the hype train. Um, that that fresh hop thing can be a touch divisive. So mm-hmm. I'm going to dock it a couple of tenths, uh, coming in right on that border at 3.95. Right on that border. 3.95 is where I see it being rated. You're within a tenth. You get that one. 4.04 well, for Boring Yesterday, which I, I'm, i i got to get back to. I haven't had one in a while. That's a nice rating for that beer. Boy, 7.2% for a pale ale. <laughs> that's some logging of shit right there. That, <laughs> that's why naming beer <clears throat> by style is meaningless. Yeah. Like, it kind of helps well, you mean, as a shopper, but does it really? I mean, what's a great, I mean, they make some great hoppy beer that who knows what style it is, like, like uh, whatever, Lagunita sucks, and yeah, uh, that's a little great, that's something, a great something. beer. A little something, something. Yep. All right, next up, Tony. This is uh, oh, here's a, here's a little bit of a hype. Here's a little bit of a hype Ooh. coming in. Uh, this is Toppling Goliath, Toppling Goliath, King Sioux, Decora, Iowa. This is an eight and a half percent Imperial IPA, King Sioux, the Imperial sort of take on uh, the famous uh, pseudo Sioux. Uh, what, what do they have to say about it here? The Hop Savant over at Toppling Goliath occasionally brewed this beer, a ramped-up version of the Citra Pale Ale Pseudo Sioux, for taproom consumption or special events or only. It was spoken of in whispers outside of Iowa, but this past year they released it in a single bottling run, and the beer lost none of its potency. While not the most streamlined or balanced beer, Toppling Goliath knows how to squeeze the most out of their hops, and King Sioux is the ultimate example. It pours like a glass of orange juice, the Citra Hops, Tropical Fruit, and Caddy Character going full frontal and will ruin your palate. 
for a week. Um, King Sioux, a delicious beer. Now it comes in cans, and you can get it relatively easier. Um, I will point out that on Untapped, it is called a uh, boy. I maybe should have put this in the. Uh, well, no, it's an imperial, so I couldn't put it in the uh, bracket. But uh, this is a imperial double New England IPA, according to Untapped. Seven point eight percent, according to them. Eight point five on the paste one. Hundred IBUs. It has 142.2 thousand check-ins. This full-bodied hazy double IPA is citra hopped with a juicy combination of mango, orange, and pineapple flavors, finishing with a grapefruit aroma and ferocious bite. I've had three of them. I rated them a 4.75. And I was actually going to put this in the teens, the 4.1 whatever, but I've actually gone a tenth higher, I think, this has got some staying power. I think the initial reviews would have been really high. Um, 4.21 is where I want to put it. Um, that's probably a touch high. That That's really super hype territory. And with 143,000 check-ins or whatever the number was, probably a touch high. But just sounds You're delicious. You're a touch low, Tony. Touch You're low. You're a touch low. I'll take that. Touch low, Tony. 4.33 on I King Sue. To them, you needed you needed another two you needed another two hundredths, and I would have handed that one off to you. But oh well, four point three three, holy shit, for one hundred and forty two thousand check-ins. I know that was the thing God. that did me in. If it had have got God damn eighty thousand check-ins, I would have been going probably in the high twos. Yeah. I wanted to go two seven, but I didn't have the guts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just didn't yeah. have it. Some of these hazies, dude. Wow. Yeah, 142,000. Wow. All right, Tony, now we're getting close to our, to our bracket beers. Uh, this one is not uh, – this isn't one of them, but it's uh, a related uh, version. This is Ballast Point's Grapefruit Sculpin. Uh, Ballast Point Sculpin is considered by many to be the pinnacle of – this is pre-sale, by the way, Ballast Point. This is old days Ballast Point. It's a pinnacle of the West Coast IPA style, and the grapefruit-infused variant has long been a local favorite at the brewery's tasting rooms. Finally bottled in 2014, the bitter-on-bitter blast of grapefruit pith on top of a melange of tropical hop flavors. Do hops always appear in a melange? Does anything (laughs) else come in a melange? It's always hops. Somehow makes grapefruit sculpin even more quaffable than the original. There is perhaps no better beer to pair with a plate of fish tacos and a San Diego Sunset. So grapefruit sculpin. Uh, uh, it oh, comes right up when you type in the damn word grapefruit. Perfect. Um, Three hundred and twenty-two point eight thousand check-ins for grapefruit sculpin. I've never checked one in, Tony. Um, it's the latest take on their signature IPA. Some may say there are a few ways to improve sculpin's unique flavor, but the tart freshness of grapefruit perfectly complements our IPA citrusy hop character. Grapefruit is a winter fruit, but this easy-drinking ale tastes like summer. Now, Tony Sculpin was one of the surprises of our bracket contest, I believe, because um, we I think we look at Sculpin with a different eye now than we may have years ago. It does still yeah. taste good, but it's just, you know, comes with its comes with sort of sale baggage these days. It comes yeah. with the loss of a billion dollars baggage. And but it uh, doesn't didn't really I mean the beer's still made fine, so Yeah, and it's a beer that I can certainly get hold of. Because uh, my local Dan Murphy's always has Sculpin on the, on the shelves in a ten pack. I think they they stock it. Um, 
delicious beer. And yeah. I think it – if I can't remember the score from the bracket. I, I, I do think I had it pegged under th- under four, but I think it scored it in the – in the fours, and I'm going to go back to that same rating I gave the last beer. Um, I think there's enough ratings pre-baggage to make it come in at 4.22. That's where I want to put it. I think it's a really delicious beer, even with its, all of its availability and uh, baggage issues. I still think it rates really well. You overshot it a little, Tony. 3.96, still an excellent rating for a beer with 300 thousand something check-ins and oddly enough let's check it it has the exact same score as regular type sculpin (laughs) 3.96 so regular sculpin 3.96 grapefruit sculpin 3.96 that's crazy to think about um all right your 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 mind is getting right the numbers you're you're halfway through you've gotten four you've gotten four you're gonna need to get six of the next ten before i drag you out of that that's a that's a battle well, he's going to get a look ask. at a tall ask, but let's see what happens. Yeah, you're, you're right. Your your hands are about to be busy. <laughs> um, next up, this is Firestone Walkers Easy Jack. Uh, Easy Jack, four and a half percent session IPA. It seemed like every major brewery in the country introduced a session IPA in 2014. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But one of our favorites was the masterful Easy Jack from Firestone Walker. Built on an impossibly light and dry body, uh, Matt Brindleton sourced hop varieties from around the globe to infuse Easy Jack with a complex array of fruity flavors from melon to tangerine. The new brew was a runaway hit for the Central Coast Brewery, who had never seen a new beer sell so quickly. Look for cans to hit uh, the market in 2014. Ah. Um, Easy Jack on untapped, Tony... Still exists on here. Um, I've drank five of them. I gave it a four and a half. I like the damn shit. Yep. Um, Brewmaster Matt Brindleton went to the mountain and returned with the vision for a different kind of session IPA, one that would be brewed and dry hopped with a globe-trotting selection of new hop varieties from Europe, New Zealand, and North America. He oversaw a beer that would deliver massive hop aromas, a signature malt balance, and an empty glass before you even knew what hit you. And the newest member of our Jack IPA family was born. 147.4 thousand check-ins on this one. Five of them for me. 4%, 4.5% session IPA. Okay, so I've got to put it in session IPA territories. I think this is at the very tippy top of session IPA. So that, that to me leads to a, a high 3.8. Uh, give me a 3.87. That's, that's sort of where I... Um, Put it. It's also a beer that you kind of see a lot of these days, and I'm damn happy we do see more of this style. You're about two tenths too high, Tony. Three point six seven on Firestone's Easy Jack. Clearly, I don't agree, but the people have spoken. Next up, Jesus, we are going back to the Chicago area. This is from Three Floyds. We are at number nine on the list, Tony. So we're, is it running, we're running through the back half. No, that's that came before that. Uh, this is Three Floyds Yum Yum. Uh, this is a 5.5% pale ale with Alpha King, Zombie Dust, Dreadnought, and Arctic Panzer Wolf. Absolutely crushing it. Year after year, does the world really need another hoppy beer from Three Floyds? Yes. Of course it does. What the hell is wrong with you? 
This pale ale actually stuck around for a bit, uh, considering it was a fairly limited release. Maybe the label art, which looked like a Fanta commercial, funneled through a Bollywood nightmare, threw people off. Either way, score this next time it comes around. At 5.5%, it's nearly sessionable, and the hush-hush proprietary blend of hops bestows a refreshing apricot grapefruity profile with just a hint of crackery malt to carry it lightly across your palate. 93.7 thousand check-ins. I've had six. I had them all at the pub. I give it a 4.75. Welcome to Flavor Country. This pale ale has just the right malt backbone to support an explosive, juicy hop profile derived from a new blend of proprietary hops. We hope you'll enjoy it. So this beer... um, Oh, this guy, I don't know what this guy's, this beer has a, a variety of different colors that people, okay, have checked it in at. It has sort of a, um, I would say in the, in the modern era, it has sort of a slight haze to it, but not much, not, none that would affect, nobody would ever call this a hazy pale ale. Gotcha. Um, but you, it's, it's a, not a crystal it looks, lager. It's not, no. I would say this is a um, sort of a three Floyds take on an extra pale would be my would be the way I would describe it to yep. you, Tony. So based on everything that you've said about this, I would be rating it up where you do. And I think it's again it's was brewed eight years ago, but still just as current today. Did you say if it was still on the market? It's still on the market. Yeah, as it should be. But I want to put this in the 3.8, but I learnt my lesson. 3.7 on the knot, 3.70. Good enough, Tony. You get that one? 3.79. Oh, uh, by B's dick. For yum yum. Uh, So you got that one across the line. Nice job. Next up, do you not remember this beer, Tony? I have no idea what it is, but it's from Founders. Founders, the dissenter, an 8.7% Imperial India Pale Lager. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, what a classic. Uh, do not do not know what this beer is. I wonder if I've ever checked one in. Let's find out. Uh, uh, no, I did never. I did not ever check one in. This one barely gets across the line for how many check-ins we need for an untapped. All right, untrapped. Uh, 8.7% on this one. For all their love, their barrel-aged offerings get. Founders' hoppy beers too often get lost in the shuffle. Shuffle? Shuffle. Pro tip, Centennial IPA comes in cans now in 12 packs, and you should be drinking that right now. This is before the N-word thing, so you don't have to make fun of them. I don't care if you're in the shower playing peekaboo with the cat, whatever. Also this, the dissenter, hop to high heaven, like an Imperial IPA, but with fermented with a lager yeast in cold conditioned. As a result, the hop flavors are in your face, but cleaner and brighter. At 8.7%, this beer goes down way too smooth and sat on the shelves for a criminally long time because you know nothing. So, on Untapped, using a variety of tropical citrus-forward hops, this Imperial India Pale Lager finishes exceptionally clean, allowing you to appreciate the clear beauty of the hops. 152 check-ins on this one. So this is gonna be a tricky. This is gonna be a tricky one. Yeah. So pre-controversy, a hype uh, brewery, but not a hype style for them, because they were hot before the N-word thing. Oh yeah. KBS, CBS. I mean, yeah. Yep. Let's. 
let's put this where... How the fuck do I score this? This is a real doozy. You really made me think about this. I'm going to go back to safe territory. Put me on safe ground at 4.05. Nah, 3.74 Good to center. Good. I'm happy with that. I don't care if I missed. Fuck them. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, fuck those guys. That's right. All right. That's enough about founders for the moment. Let's move on to, hey, New Belgium. How about them? Uh, This is New Belgium's 9% chocolate stout. This is called Salted Belgian Chocolate Stout. They did this with perennial artisan ales. Another heavy hitter. Part of New New Belgium's Experimental Lips of Faith series, this complex brew was a collaboration with Perennial, and in my opinion, easily the most successful Lips of Faith to hit the market this year. It's about as balanced as a dessert beer can get. Oh, you don't even know yet, dude. Uh, thanks to that handy Belgian yeast. Yep, there's chocolate here and a bit of funk and fruit. The most intoxicating aspect of this beer, aside from the alcohol, of course, is the hint of salt that's left on your lips after the sip disappears. It's like a damn magic trick. Uh, I, I got to say, Tony, if I were playing this game, my, my I would not be. I would not have as high hopes. I haven't, I haven't even looked at the rating yet. I would not have high, as high hopes as Graham Averill had as for the would have for the rating of this beer, just knowing what it is. But I could be way off. Um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, yep, there it is. I found it. Here's what Untapped has to say: thirty point three thousand check-ins. Dessert is best poured, and the and the brewers they misspelled it in here. The brewers at Perennial, agree. So we dreamt up a beer that would bring together chocolate sweetness, Belgian yeast, deeply roasted malts, and just the right shake of salt to pour a creamy stout worthy of a cherry in top. So we need a, we need a proofreader over at, Peren- or at New Belgium. Um, here's a check-in from someone uh, from March 23, 2022. Oh, that's not good because it does. It hasn't been made for six, eight years. <laughs> so that's happening. Um, was it a drain pool? Uh, for science, beer number one. I'm going to start digging through the depths of my cellar to find the oldest beers I have and start cracking them open. One every weekend. This one held up way better than I thought it would. Absolutely still enjoyable. Uh, 3.5 out of 5. Not bad, considering um, it's been used. No, no, Jeffrey, used. Jeffrey's pretty respectful. He he's leaving his ratings in the commentary to not skew the actual score because he's drinking the old beers. So, I respect that. Um, and that's about it from the recent past. 2015 vintage. You know, people just drink an old Belgian stout. A bit more milk chocolate than I would have expected. Salty, but not overly so, which mellows any bitterness. Okay. Well, I'm so, going to be optimistic. Like, I know you don't hold a lot of hope for this, but I see this coming in in the 3.8s, and I actually see it coming above the halfway mark of the 3.8. I'm sort of torn as to how far to push it. Let's push it all the way to 3.86. That's that's as far as I'm willing to push it. I'm probably way high. I love ghosts. I love Worcester Stouts. I like any beer with a little bit of salinity, even this sweet style, um, even with a Belgian yeast. Maybe 
I'm too weird. Maybe I'm putting too many of my own personal bias in it, but 3.86 is where I land. I would love to try this beer. I, I think I might like it, but unfortunately it, uh, the r- world did not like it as much as you. 3.66 for the salted Belgian chocolate stout on the 30,000 uh, or so check-ins it had. So we're down to the top six. Uh, Tony has five. He's got to get pretty much all of these. Um, so next up you have the, the Stone. Okay, so you're familiar with this beer. At the time, they were calling this a collaboration with Chris Banker, in Insurgente, and themselves. It is the Joko Veza Mocha Stout. You're probably familiar with this beer. Yep. yep. I figured as much. I think now it's like Will Wheaton or something, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's the Woot um, Stout, isn't it? The, the, no, that's Woot Stout. You're right. So Joko Veza, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull up the we're gonna pull it up here. This is yeah okay. Eight point one percent. Uh, milk stout, you know, with so many ingredients, it would have been easy to overdo any one of them and leave this beer too sweet, too spicy, too messy. Instead, stone brewing harmoniously combined coffee, cinnamon, chili peppers, cocoa, vanilla, and nutmeg to create a beer that is smooth, layered, and complex. It's perfect for lovers of Mexican hot chocolate, which is just about everyone, right? So there you go. Untapped 173.9 thousand check-ins. Uh, this insanely delicious take on Mexican hot chocolate is crafted with vanilla, coffee, pasilla peppers, blah, 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 you know. Yep. First brewed in 2014 with homebrewer Chris Banker after his recipe was named the winner of our annual homebrew competition. It quickly became a cross-country sensation. Uh, there you go. That's it. That's all that's worth reading, honestly. Yeah. Uh, 173.9 thousand check-ins, 8.1%. Tony, what do you got? I think... I've had this beer and I think it gets knocked down for the chili factor. So 3.74. It's a better beer than that, don't get me wrong, but that chili really was off-putting to some people. It's one of the best, only good chili beers I've had. Chilean beers doesn't tend to gel with me, but this was one of the better examples. Tony, uh, people like it more than you think. 4.03 for wow. Joko Beza. Yeah. Good beer. Well liked. Don't get me wrong. I, yep. I really enjoy it, but yeah, shocked. Down to the final five. This one, Wicked Weed. I don't know when this is in relation to their sale. I would think before. This is Wicked Weed Serenity. It's a sour ale. Okay, technically, this isn't a new beer. It won gold in the American-style Brett category at GABF, GABF in 2013, but Wicked Weed didn't put this beauty into a bottle until this year. In fact, it was the first beer the Asheville Brewery decided to bottle and distribute. Okay, well, I guess it was pre-sale, huh? Uh, the barrel-aged farmhouse ale is wickedly good. I couldn't resist plenty of funk without being overwhelmingly sour. Hints of fruit, pepper, in the words of Frank Costanza, serenity now. I don't. That sentence doesn't read at all uh i'm excited to see wicked weeds reputation grow now that beers like serenity are bottled and mobile tony i since that happened they now have a brewery in the charlotte airport so (laughs) uh i think they've managed to uh I, i think they've seen their reputation grow uh since this was their first beer they decided to bottle and distribute 
They are now, I believe, owned by the Anheuser-Busch Corporation, oh, if I'm not mistaken. Just, just a small little big company. It's the best. Air, it's one of the best airport bars I've ever been to. That's I mean, high they price. Like they have vintage, vintage sour and shit. <laughs> and you can order Shake Shack from the bar, which is cool too. All right, Tony. This is the. Let's look at the untapped. Let's do that. That's uh, kind of important for this game. Uh, that feels like an important part of this. Uh, it's a. It's categorized as Brett beer. On untapped, 5.5%, 16 IBUs, 12.3 thousand check-ins. Serenity is Britannomyces in its most pure form. This tart farmhouse ale is aged in wine barrels for three to five months. Pictures looks very light and refreshing and dry and funky. And this is right at the, the zenith of bread. And <laughs> yep. I feel like being a vintage beer that this is much more in in sort of that hype train that we, we got with with Brett. So I'm going to score this in the 3.9s um, and really high in the 3.9s. 3.98 is where I'm going to score it. Um, probably way off there. I don't know how to score Brett Beers. It could be a 5.0 or it could be a 2. I really am <laughs> just throwing it. It's a 5.0, Tony. You got it. Just kidding. It's, um, Tony, you went too far. Oh. Uh, it's 3.85 oh. for Serenity. So close. So close. But I think that pretty much, uh, well, I think that's pretty much going to ditch you in the well. Let's see yeah. how you can do here. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, if you get four in a row, maybe I, I feel like I might have to drag you out. But. <laughs> This one is New Glarus's Scream. I've had this. Um, this is, yeah, Scream double IPA. It's a well, Imperial IPA, 9%. Uh, Dan, uh, New Glarus, yeah. Dan Carey is killing it, just killing it lately. The man already brewed the best, cleanest German-style lagers in the country like it ain't no thing. Wrangled authentic wild ales from America's only one of America's only cool ships and made beer nerds care about fruit again. Never one to rest on his laurels, Carrie took care this year to retool his double IPA recipe, this time using truckloads of whole cone cascade hops. As a result, the newly christened Scream is a intensely pine forward and citrusy, sticky with hop resins and eminently drinkable. It's probably one of the best double IPAs of the year and one of the best beers, period. Scream, IIPA, as it's called on Untapped, 9%, 85 ABUs, 36.4 thousand check-ins. I've had three. I fived it, Tony. This was five, This is a fiver for me. Scream pierces reality, effortlessly slicing our sky. He, he flies over the brewery just as Abe circled over the Wisconsin's 8th Infantry during the Civil War. Right. <laughs> what? <I'm> just <sighs> gibberish, dude. Um Scream boasts an inspired 85 IBUs that reverberate cleanly through the double IPA. Nuglaris brewery-grown estate hops join other Wisconsin-grown hops to dominate the brew from kettle boil to dry hopping. You hold a deceptively seductive original gravity of 20.9 degrees Play-Doh following the always 100% naturally bottled conditioned fermentation. Luscious Wisconsin-grown and malted barley, along with English Maris Otter malt, is the bold heart of this lustful sensory enchantment. 
Is this an old school double IPA you got right yeah, here? Yeah, it really is. Because they're promoting uh, the Marisota component of it, not something that you see uh, in blue. Yeah, with IPA now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. 36, what did I say? 36.4 thousand checkings. So you reckon it's real good. You're a big. Oh, I love it. I enjoyed it. Great beer. And that's good to hear. So I'm going to go above four. I'm not going to go into where you went. I'm just going to go above four. Don't five it now, yeah. No, 4.06. Don't know why I'm clapping, but 4.06 seems to be where I landed. That is correct. Tony yes. got it right. 4.08. Yes, yes, yes. All right, Tony got that one. Very good. That's uh, that's number six you've gotten, Tony. So we got three left. Number three on this list, best beers of 2014, best new beers of 2014. This is from Deschutes, Deschutes Chasin' Freshies, a 7.4% IPA, fresh hop IPA. Uh, 2014 was the year of the fresh hopped ale. The goal with these beers is to get the hops into the beer as quickly as possible to maximize the pungent characteristics that our favorite weed contributes to beer. For chasing freshies, Deschutes plucked mosaic hops, then rushed them directly to the kettle to bring out the juicy qualities of this relatively new hop strain. There are some Bravo hops thrown in too, but mosaic is given the spotlight, and the result, in my opinion, is the best fresh hop ale to hit the market this year. Chasing Freshies has a tropical fruit-like sweetness without much bitterness and is creamy almost to the point of being buttery. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a hell of an IPA. Uh, I think they might still be making this beer, Tony. Uh, they are 6% on here. It said 7.4% on there. That's fine. A heavenly IPA that is packed full of fresh hops. This beer is perfect for those who like it bright, deep, and fresh. There aren't any groomers or gapers mucking it up around here, just unblemished flavor. So groomer, groomers and gapers may have a different meaning in the uh, Marjorie Taylor Green era than it does, uh, it does then. Uh, I never checked this one in, Tony. Everyone else has, though, 44.6 thousand check-ins, uh, 55 IBUs, 6% on chasing freshies from Deschutes. Sounds like there's a bit of dankness going on in this one. Um, they say juicy freshness, but just based on what they were talking about with their favourite weed, I think there's a little bit of dankness, which you often get with fresh fresh hop beers, really something quite yeah, common. Right. And every fresh hop beer, I think there's there's a component of that. Um, the Shoots, really great brewery. I think this one comes in at... Why am I about to say I'm either going to be on the money or way off? Because that's that's been the case all day. 3.97. You're pretty off. Not way, way off, but you're off enough. It's 3.77 for this one, Uh, chasing freshies. Uh, Yeah. Just it's been around too long, Tony. That's yep. some, well, sometimes you just it's just been around too long, and then you got to deal with this. Next up, Tony. It's getting now we're getting big. Hill Farmstead, Aaron uh, from Greensboro, Vermont. This is an English barley wine. Uh, um, they they say they made it. These guys are real cut ups here, Tony. They said ABV. Good question. <laughs> 
Um, it's uh, this says eight percent on Untapped. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I'm gonna say I doubt. I doubt that. Um, uh, at this point, we're starting to wonder if Sean Hill pawned his soul to the goddess Ninkasi for his brewing prowess. I, I think after he did all that weird uh, sex stuff, maybe so much. After putting most other pale ales, imperial stouts, porters, and especially saisons to shame in near, uh, barely a half decade of pr- de- decade, decade of production, Hill, Hill, to- Hill tossed his hat into the barley wine ring, immediately inspiring <laughs> reverence, awe, and countless ISOs on the Beer Advocate forums. Aaron, an English-style barley wine aged for two whole years in used bourbon barrels, is a masterclass in subtly in-depth, Toffee, fig, raisin, creme brulee, milk, chocolate, and coconut are just some of the flavors you'll tease out. And nothing gets in the way of anything else. So, Tony, this is a beer that has probably only gotten more popular since 2014. Uh, English barrel-aged English barley wine. Um, Has 3.8 thousand check-ins. Description is uh, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, in, in his honor, in this, in, it's, it's, it's named after their great, great, great grandfather. In his honor, we crafted this barley wine, which has rested unhurriedly and undisturbed for over two years in bourbon barrels from some of our favorite distilleries, absorbing the essence of its surroundings and history. Okay. This is a mega style, a mega scoring brewery, yeah, brewery. Yeah. mega harassing lead individual. <laughs> Um, let's jump aboard the hype train. 4.36 is the number that just kept pinging out of my skull. Don't know why. You didn't hype enough, Tony. An an unbelievably high 4.60 for Bill Farmstead. Wow. Yowza. That gets a yowza from me, dog. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if I had to guess what the highest rated beer is, not to give it away, but I do not think it will be this next one, which is the number one beer from Boulder, Colorado, Upslopes Barrel Aged Brown Ale. <coughs> oh, excuse me, Tony. Um, here you go. 7.6% according to this. This is the best beer I, it's, I've had in like forever. Those are the actual words I spoke to my wife before giving her a sip of this beer straight from the can. She shrugged, whatever. Kind of sexist. Let's just take a look at what's going on inside this can. Brown sugar and snow melt help make Upslope standard brown ale bitchin' in its own right. But then the Boulder Base Brewery sticks their brown into used rye barrels from Leopold Brothers. That's a, that's a distillery, Tony. Yeah, I get it. The result that. is a rich treat full of caramel, oak, and spice from the barrel with plenty of hot bite for balance. You get all the hallmarks of a big barrel-aged sipper, but in lighter, more user-friendly package. Barrel-aged browns, or BABs. Well, how is that? <laughs> didn't, that, that one didn't take, Graham. Sorry, no. buddy. It was Upslope's first experimental beer in their new Lee Hill series, and the bar... Uh, and has set the bar really freaking high for the rest of that series. So, Tony, on Untapped, there it is. I found it. Barrel-aged brown ale. This one has 319 check-ins, aged for four months in first-use Leopold Brothers. Maryland rye whiskey barrels. This beer permeates with rich notes of caramel, toffee, and oak. 
What begins as a sweet candy-like taste slowly fades and intertwines with spicy wood character, finishing with a warm and lingering rye note. This beer boasts complexity balanced style and substance. Okay. This has 319 check-ins only, Tony. 50 IBUs, 7.6%. So you're saying that it won't come in at 4.6 or above. You, you don't think it'll rate I, that high? I don't like giving stuff away to you, Tony, but I will let you know that it does not hit the uh, lofty heights of Hill Farmstead's barley wine. So I'm going to say it's still a fairly decent beer. The components to that sound like it it makes a good beer. So give it... I suspect. Give me a 4.19, 4.19, probably gone too high, but sounds like a decent You went beer. too high, Tony. It's uh, 3.9, not 3.92, the wow. 7.6% probably gives it a texture that is not what the barrel-aged people uh, so often desire, which is that thickness, the, the thickness. Um, not coming in for them there. So, Tony, that are that is Paste Magazine's. Thank you, Paste Magazine, for the content. Twenty best new beers of twenty fourteen. Now what? Now twenty fourteen, Tony. We did we we hung out in the year twenty fourteen, I believe. You know, that was the year twenty thirteen. Oh. Um, I think that was a year before. Uh, uh, Tony, what was your favorite beer of twenty thirteen? How about that? Um, 20, 2013 or 2014, can yep. you even remember? Yeah, it was a, a, a little Kolsch that you got me. Uh, just trying oh, yeah, to who it? it's by. Metro, was it the Metro Kolsch, the uh, crankshaft? Crankshaft, that's the one, yep. That yeah. that was an eye-opener. That, and oh, God knows what that would score on untapped, but I don't think that's scoring above a four. I don't actually think that's scoring think above a 3.8. Probably. I don't think it's scoring 3.5, <laughs> even though it's a great beer. But Metro's beers are uh, get get the shafts big time. They get the crankshaft. Yeah, 3.49 times. Um, crazy. Yeah, no, insane. Insane. Yep. Uh, I, I You know what? I don't know if I reminisce for all of these beers, but no. some of these beers did sound delicious. Um, More than I thought. And got to go revisit a couple of these. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say. I would go back. Six. Yeah beers that I want to revisit out of that that bunch. Um, yeah, I would love to drink some Allagash Saison, some yep. ha- Half Acre Gone Away. Um, I would drink this Wicked Weed Brett beer. Sounds good. Uh, some Lagunese Born Yesterday. Would love to get my hands on. Yep. Uh, grapefruit Sculpin, worth another go, I think. Yep. Uh, yum Yum, I, I think I probably drank pretty recently. And hey, I'll drink that Hill Farmstead Barley of Wine. Of course we will. If someone wants to get their hands on some, some Hill Farmstead barley wine for me. I will gladly take it down. Look, what would you rather um, do? Buy a Louis C.K. Louis C.K. album, or get your hands on some Hill Farmstead? I'm going to pick Hill Farmstead. I'd rather go see Louis C.K. in uh, in, the, in Ukraine. <laughs> Remember that? Did you? Did, did we talk about that? How he had like a gig in Ukraine, like the day after the the uh, invasion started. And they were like, "Hey, the gig's still like that day." They were still like, "The gig's still on." And then he, and then he was like, "I guess I'm still on." And then <laughs> later on, he was like, "I think they're maybe not going to do it." <laughs> he, had to, he had to take the day off. Um, could have been a nice, could have been a nice pick me up for Louis. Oh well. 
Uh, Tony, you want to tell people where maybe they could find us? It's time for me to go back into the Copenhagen cold. Yep. They can find us on Untapped. I think that's the best place to find us. I'm St. Moz on Untapped. The man that has been doing the majority of the talking did the fabulous research on today's episode <laughs> is Griff right. AD on Untapped. Griff AD on Untapped. And you'll see many of those beers that we spoke about today checked in at some point over the past eight years, perhaps even nine years. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram. We are at Beer Engine Pod. You can shoot us an email. We are Beer Engine Show at gmail.com. Give us a tip. Kofi.com forward slash Beer Engine Podcast. You know where the hyphen goes. Griff, uh, anything you would like to sum up the episode, either about my no. performance or about the Copenhagen weather or yeah. the uh, favourite bit of uh, food that you've had in Copenhagen? <laughs> yeah, Tony, you did you did as good well as I thought you could do with uh, such a challenging uh, game there. Six out of 20, maybe not ideal, but also, nope. uh, you know, hey, uh, it's just I, in just in a mere week, I'll be back. So it's really no worse. You're really not down there any longer than usual. This is true. And we did, we did send you a TV so you can watch the Lagunitas car. Well, we've uh, I've already watched it. Track. I mean, we already saw it. Yeah. And it was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, what What have I eaten in Copenhagen that's been good? Yeah. Oh, man. I think I just ate some dog turds off the floor. That was pretty cool. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I just can't. Boy, golly, I just can't remember. Uh, so we'll just have to. We're just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to talk about it next week, Tony. Um, all right, thanks everybody. We will be back with you uh, one week from today, which is uh, May eighteenth of the year of our Lord twenty thousand and twenty million twenty two. All right, see you later. Bye.